Welcome to Tony Steak Podcast. Welcome to the Tony's Take Podcast, episode 332. I'm Sean, and joined with me, we have Off-Road Andy. Hello. And Tony Katz. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button, share with a friend, and check out our entertainment podcast right after this. Got some uh, good stuff to get to for summertime. Uh, we're going to start off with the uh, NBA Summer League. Yeah, this is uh, probably be a shorter episode. There's uh, not that much going on, a little bit of a dead zone. but well, We should um, mention, too, this is actually like the biggest dead zone because days like yesterday and today and tomorrow uh, and maybe Thursday, I don't know exactly when baseball starts back up, but those are the only days of the entire year where not one of the four major sports is playing. I guess technically tomorrow would be the day because if you want to count that there was a home run derby yesterday and an all-star game today, but... I don't really count that. So, yeah, this is the break where the degenerate gamblers out there, they watch and bet on the Summer League, the WNBA. There was some you know, qualifying Champions League soccer that we yeah. will not talk about, but that was going on from countries like um, Gibraltar and stuff okay. like that, like places you've never even heard of. I don't think that's a country. That's No, they, they have a national team. Really? Because it's yeah. a... Um, and they're rock. really bad, but they're really bad. <laughs> okay. Just not part of Spain or something? Um, no. But, yeah, what the... The big thing going on in basketball is the Las Vegas Summer League, which is uh, more than just a exhibition basketball league. It is uh, where everyone needs to be in the basketball world. Um, is it being played in that basketball sphere screen? No, no, no. This is still at UNLV. Um, I think maybe at some oh. point they'll play games at like uh, MGM or something. But that's like a concert thing, that sphere thing. Yeah, they're going to be I able to change it to like different things, 000. right? Like it's not just going to be a basketball. Oh no, it's it's a big LED. It, it was an eyeball. It was the American. I thought flag, I saw it was a pumpkin was a too at one point, which I can really yeah. get on. I will, I will have to go to Vegas in October to see it be as a pumpkin. I think like that that will have to be on my bucket list. Be pretty spooky. Yeah, but um, yeah, there is the basketball league, so there are. Uh, rookies and other young players, other guys trying to make it that are uh, playing in this this league. And what everyone wanted to see was Victor Wembenyama, who was going to make his debut. Sometimes the number one pick doesn't play in the summer league, um, but I think they, they because it's become such a big deal. I think the NBA does want to see that um, he did play, and we'll talk about his play first before the other big story involving him. Um, but he had a, a rough first game and a lot of question marks because. Um, so the guy's seven foot five, and he can play like a guard. And you kind of think, well, it's like Kevin Durant, but even taller. Um, I think if you watch that first game, he's not Kevin Durant. He's not going to be Kevin Durant. But Kevin Durant is not seven foot five. Um, he just isn't as quick or as mobile or and smooth. I know Durant. one of their concerns is the strength because he's seven foot five and all bone. And yeah. there was a part that they were I was uh, hearing that he was posting up a guy that was five eleven. Or not, maybe like around, like a shorter guard, like six foot, six one, whatever. And he was able to outmuscle him pretty much because he was more, you know, he was probably stronger with like, yeah, I mean, pound for pound. And they were saying like that was a thing. And then there was, and there was a point where he like kind of fell down in the post or something. But I'm going to say that I think there's maybe some jitters because I think, you know, they're all eyes are on him. Everybody's there to see him. He's supposed to be this big thing. I mean, the expectations are, I won't even say high because they're higher than high. Like it's, it's a crazy thing. It's to the point where uh, uh, my Popovich signed a five-year extension, which I truly think has to do with the fact that they have Wembenyama. I think he thinks, hey, if this guy really could pan out to be what he's 
you know, capable of maybe we, a couple guys join our team. Maybe we, in the next two, three years, we can actually have a decent squad and I can try to get another championship before I retire. Um, and also, you know, to be coached by him is a good thing because I think we can all agree. He is the greatest, the best coach that's in the NBA today. Like, you know, overall like profile wise. Uh, but yeah, but his second game though, came out and shined. I think, what was it? 27 points or something like that. Yeah, High twenties, the, the three blocks. That's, that's the thing is how good of a defensive player will he be because of that length? And you could really see him. That was the thing too. Cause in that first game, I think he did have three or five blocks and it was to show that, yeah, maybe he didn't have, you know, the, the points and he maybe did look a little nervous, but he's, he's going to be a problem on defense too. Like he's going to make it difficult for other teams, a problem in that sense that it's going to be a problem for other teams. I mean, when they drive in and stuff or, and he can guard. I'm sure. I'm sure he can guard the three ball too. I mean, well, yeah, definitely because he could he could be off them and still block the shot. Yeah, um, that's the worst feeling in the world. It's, it's happened to me before, where you think you're wide open, and the <laughs> oh, guy Andy comes, would get very out of the paint and blocks your shot. Like that's not physically possible, but uh, it is with him. Um, so yeah, he showed a little more promise there, and then the Spurs said, "All right, we're good," and he is not going to play the rest of the summer league, um, which has actually been a, a story here. Uh, in the early going, is a lot of players have already kind of dropped out. Um, they played their two games. They needed what they wanted. to. to get, they got what they needed out of it, uh, and now they're done. So um, I think if you're if you're interested in the Summer League and you want to go, probably go that first couple days, uh, which is hard because that was July 5th was the first day. Yeah. It's like it really gets you. You got to go. Holidays. You got to spend your 4th of July in Vegas pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there was that big UFC fight. Um, attended by like some some basketball people, there's some other famous people into the UFC fight. I think not a big deal. Um, I think that was the next day or something. Um, but yeah, the other big story coming out of summer league, which is a funny story um, to be honest, it involves another uh, a Vegas celebrity, uh, Britney Spears. Who is that? Where she lives now? She probably at least lives there part time. She does the residency. I I think she still does at least. I don't know. Um, I mean, she's like allowed out of her house now, right? Yeah, but maybe she won't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after this, uh, Dad's so, gonna be like, "I told you." So the the cool thing is, apparently, Britney Spears is a huge NBA fan, which is like, okay, would have never known that. I'm but. sure you could look back and see some clips yeah. of like the '90s or early 2000s, right. her courtside at like a Knicks game well, or Justin something. Justin Timberlake was a part owner of the Grizzlies, so mm. maybe uh, that's where she got it from. Together yeah. back when, in those when days, they were 17. Um, yeah, <laughs> without a purpose or direction. <laughs> And I mean, she spent time in Orlando, so she probably mm. went to some Magic games. You know, she was they were probably in the '90s when they had Shaq. Maybe I yeah. mean, when was she really big? When did she come on the scene? Was it like '96? '99. She was in the, the the Mickey Mouse Club thing. Mm, that's the, right. So yeah. 90s, so uh, maybe she's a big Penny Hardaway fan. Mm. Um, but anyway, she is a big basketball fan, and she spotted Victor Wembanyama, which isn't difficult to do. <laughs> uh, the man is seven foot five, um, and she decided to go try to talk to him. I don't know, get a picture or something. Um, and she reached out from behind to grab him, and uh, the Spurs security. So wasn't he didn't have his own security already, but the Spurs security uh, slapped her hand away and forced her hand right back into her face, and uh, became a huge huge drama because because it hit her in the face, knocked she, off her yeah, glasses. She claimed that she was knocked down and she was hit directly in the face. But yeah, when the video came out, it's like I understand what security was doing. It's still kind of crazy that like also Britney she couldn't have been like, hey, I'm Britney Spears. I want a picture. You think even if he doesn't know who you are, the security would be like, yeah, Victor, you should take a picture with her. She's a big deal. Um, but no, that's. <laughs> but he, I mean, it seems like everyone's doubling down too. This could have been a good moment of like, oh, I'm sorry that happened. Let's uh, let's do a thing here. But yeah, everyone's everyone's pissed off and 
I don't know. That's not a great. It's not a great way to start your uh, American career after coming from France. No, it's it seems weird that it hasn't already had like. Oh no no, I I, I got you know bagels with her the next morning yeah. and she, I'm going to her kids. Pop no, but I mean, she she's posted like more things on the internet of like being up still upset about it and it's like oh okay. That's not good. Well, I mean, I guess that's a sign of the times, too. He's, you know, 11 years old. He doesn't know who the hell and she is. And that, if he does, it's like, he, my mom listens to you. I don't care. And that's what he claimed, too. Like, he claimed, or that's, they asked him if he even knew who she was. And he said no, which, truthfully, I could believe him being 19 years old from France. It's not like he's 19 years old from, you know, San Francisco or L.A. or something. I mean, he's 19 years old from a different country. I mean... I mean, I think she plays all outside. I, I'm sure she did, too. but I mean, it doesn't mean you have to know her. I mean, I think if there no. was some famous French pop star that plays here, like I wouldn't maybe know her. Yeah, but there's a difference between being a French pop star and I mean, we are yeah, the stage, that's true. Tony. Yeah. I know, I get that. But yeah, I think he's also trying to do a little bit of big league in here. Yeah, I'm sure I he's heard so, the name. He just might not have known that was directly her in the moment, which I yeah, believe because she looks a little worn down now. I think. Well, let let people been, age normally, you know. Yeah. Yeah, famous for forever. So, but luckily, she looks like a human at least. She looks forty-five, which is what she is. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Actually, don't know. but I'm saying there was there's it's, it's clear there's been some like issues with some sort of drugs or something. I think right like there's oh yeah no I mean that's how it's I think very the, that's what I'm saying. It's made her. I mean Jennifer Aniston doesn't <laughs> look how old she is. Sure. Are you only saying that because she's Greek? Is she? I think so. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. She's probably got that good Greek skin. <laughs> the Mediterranean skin. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I mean, is that uh, it for NBA? Um, yeah, is there anything else? I mean, uh, Scoot Henderson, he played like a game and then got hurt, so he's he's uh, already done. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Miller, number two pick, hasn't looked very good. The, that whole team has looked like shit. In yeah. the that ha- that happens sometimes where um, you just – they don't shoot well. It's, it's a, And you're playing with people you've never played before. You don't have much practice time, so – um, it's the summer league's fun, but don't take too much, you know. Yeah, I think the only thing you want to make sure is that there's no injuries. Like women, Yama had a shit first game, if I if I saw correctly, but I don't give a shit. Like it's his first game, you'll work through that stuff. There's, you know, the season doesn't start for a few months. Yep, I 100% agree. All right, well, should we move over to baseball? Yes, we should. Uh, last night was the uh, home run derby. And Andy and I watched it together, actually. And uh, for those that don't know, the Home Run Derby does a, a format now that I think they've had for a couple years now. But I feel like every year they add a little difference to it. So basically, it's it's in uh, a pool play type thing or whatever, like a bracket, a bracket. A bracket, yeah. And it's just eight guys. So one goes against eight, two, seven, three, six, four, five. And then on each side, it's like one versus eights on one side. And then I believe it's three and six on that side, and then two and seven and four and five on the other side. Does that sound right? Or no, but I don't know. They don't reseed. Yeah, they don't reseed. So, so it's it set up. So there's bracket. a one side and a two. Yeah, it was one versus eight. That's not usually how bracket would go. It would be. Four well, here, and let's five click or, it right now. Let's. It's, it's, where am I going to find that? Right there. Where? I don't know. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. No, no. I, I mean, we watched it yesterday. So. It was, I think it was one and eight, four and five, two and seven, three and six. I'm going to go with that because that's what I, what it, what it was. So you have the one seed, which was, um, so anyway, the way they do that is they have it set up like that in those brackets. So the winner of the one verse eight would play the winner of four and five. And then the winner of two and seven would play the winner of three and six. 
And so, yeah. So then they each get three. The way they get it now is they get three minutes. And so basically it's like you're just pitching as much as you can because you're just trying to get as many swings in and hit. And then you're also given a 45-second timeout, one of them, which Mookie Betts didn't give a shit about. And then everybody, they, this is where it gets really confusing because if you hit two 440-foot home runs, you get an extra minute. But it comes to realize that everybody gets an extra 30 seconds. So really everybody gets three and a half minutes. And then if you hit two 440-foot home runs, you know, you get an extra 30 seconds. So I don't know, kind of dumb, whatever. I truthfully don't care for the format too much because, I mean, somebody like Adley Rutschman, who was the eight seed, hit 27 home runs in the first round, which was the third most in the first round. And he gets to be eliminated. He doesn't even get a chance. And so... Yeah, the, and the other problem is um, the scores don't carry over. It's a it's a matchup, and then the next matchup. Yeah. So um, Julio Rodriguez hit 41 in the first round, the most ever. Um, and then he loses in the second round because he doesn't have as good of a second round. But he hit 61 over two rounds, which was far more than Vladimir Guerrero's uh, 47 over two rounds. And Guerrero moved on. Um, yeah, he ended up only having about 11 home runs less than Guerrero with one whole less round. And I mean, it's so I, I don't know. I don't really care for how they do those matchups. I mean, the old fashioned way was fine with me. I mean, it was quicker too. Well, I, I think they should treat it like golf. Everyone goes, the four bottom scores get dropped and yeah. then you do another round. And I, I mean, that's you what carry they carry over your score. And then okay. the two get dropped. Yeah, and then it's just a head. And, and what they used to do at least was, you know, it was it was the top four that would move on and then the top two and then the winner. And the way they did that was it was you just had 10 outs, which was good about that was that you could pick the pitches to swing at because we saw it when, um, who was it that was batting that the guy kept throwing? Oh, Pete Alonzo, his guy uh, that was pitching to him. We found out that the guy he wanted to have pitch for him ended up hurting his elbow a couple days ago. So he had to have another coach or someone pitch for him and it, he was throwing him everything outside. It was like he was throwing them like, you know, sliders away. I think the announcers joked and said at one point. So it's like, you know, if those weren't good pitches, Pete Alonso wouldn't swing at them. But because you almost have to because you're timed. And then another thing I think you got to always look at, too, is you got to look at. I think you don't think about it enough is like the pitchers because it's pressure on them and they have to have good pitches. And the best pitcher by far, not even a close second, was Seattle's pitcher. That Pena guy. Just had this weird windup, and he just put it right in the sweet spot for Julio Rodriguez he didn't every have time. A windup is really what it was. It was yeah. just a flick, flick of the wrist. And he, but he was able to put it in the perfect spot every time. And then it's cool when you see something like Adley Rutschman. He has his dad pitch for him. I mean, that's the guy that you grew up with. Andy made a good point. He was probably one of those crazy little league dads. Um, but it was a cool father son moment. And I mean, that's got to be a lot of pressure on a dad. I mean, he's pitching in front of a sold out stadium, major league stadium. In a big event that's televised, you know, nationally, it's got all the, you know, all these celebrities, you know, you got celebrities watching or there or whatever. And his dad pitched very well and performed. And uh, I think Adley Rutschman did something I've probably never seen before in the home run derby where he hit from the left side for the, his three minutes. And then he got the bonus 30 seconds and hit from the right side where he hit, I think it was what, seven or eight, seven out of 10 home run, seven out of yeah. 10 out of the park on the right side, which was crazy to me that he just switched like that. And he was hitting everything out too. I mean, I almost feel like he should just hit from the right side the whole time. Even though they said as a lefty, it was better to hit it out. But I mean, he had seven home runs in 30 seconds. I mean, he was booming them. And the ones that were missing were, were very close. Like he hit, I mean, I thought all of them went out. But um, anyway, I guess we should just get to the point too where it was 
The one seed, Luis Robert Jr., beat Rutschman 28-27 in the first round. Uh, Randy Arozarena uh, had 24 home runs, beat uh, Adelise Garcia, who had 17 in the first round to move on. Uh, and then Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit 26 to move on. And then there was Mookie Betts. Uh, didn't said earlier that he didn't even like really care to be in this, but it was like I guess his wife had convinced him because she said, oh, you can look back and at least say you got to do it. And Mookie Betts treated this like I really hope nobody had money on him because he didn't give a shit. He didn't use his timeout. He didn't like seem to care. And he hit 11 home runs. And it just didn't seem like like he even had an interview that said he didn't think he had a good chance to win it. And I mean, he is a much smaller guy than some of those guys out there. So, uh, you know, people, I guess, should have known that. But Mookie Betts was kind of just in there for for fun. He's more of an in-game home run hitter, I feel like. You know, like he's the guy you want up, bases loaded, two outs to get the big hit. But uh, home run derby, just not his not his thing. So Guerrero Jr. moves on easily. And then, yeah, like Andy mentioned, Julio Rodriguez, who was actually going against the favorite, Pete Alonzo, knocked out a, a round record 41 home runs in the first round to beat Alonzo, move on against Guerrero Jr. Uh, and then, yeah, Randy. It was his home park, too. Yeah, his home park. So he had the adrenaline. Everything was going. But he, I, I mean, he, he dominated that. And then Randy Era, uh, Rosarina. Picked it up in the second round. I mean, he was, I think, the only one that looks that actually the only one that hit more in his first round. I mean, in his second round than he did in his first round. He's the only one that actually progressed because obviously you get tired. And uh, the other uh, important thing here is Luis Robert. Uh, he got hurt. He's not. Oh, gonna, he's not playing tonight. I didn't I know, know that. It's a real serious injury. Um, the team sucks. Who cares? Um, but yeah, that's why people don't want to play in this thing. Is he hurt himself? It's uh, that, and they have to change the format because it's too many. It's too much swinging. Like, you're constantly swinging, swinging. I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me to pull something or, to, you know. So I, I agree with that. Hopefully him getting hurt actually does make them realize that it's dumb seeing these guys get so fatigued. That's not what it's about. It's about having a fun time, not them getting tired. I mean, you look at that. I mean, Robert Jr., 28 in the first round, 22 in the second. And then, like I said, Randy Arozarena was the only one that had more, had 24 in the first round, then 35 in the second. But then you had Guerrero Jr., 26 in the first round. Uh, only 21 in the second round, and then that was enough because this was the biggest drop. Julio Rodriguez, 41 in the first round, only 20 in the second round. I mean, uh, just a big drop. And then Vladimir Guerrero Jr. ends up beating Randy Rosarina 25 to 23 in the finals. Uh, it was close to the end. I think Rosarina needed like four home runs or something, I think, going into the final 30 seconds that he had. And it looked like he was going to do it, but then his last few just didn't go out. And uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wins his first ever home run derby and uh, makes it so they're the first father-son duo to win a home run derby as his father, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., won it back in, um, what was it, 2003-ish or two? I thought it was like So after his time with the Angels. but Where did he go after the Angels? I don't even remember now. Texas. Oh, he did go to Texas. You're right. Somewhere else too, I think. Yeah, no, Texas. He was decent in Texas, I think, for a little bit after the Angels. Um, so an interesting thing about this: there were three Cubans uh, that participated here: uh, Luis Robert, uh, Garcia, and Rosarena, who are, I guess are good friends. Yeah, uh, yeah. They said uh, Garcia is the godfather of Randy or Rosarena's daughter, so they are very close friends. Um, and then, and when. Guerrero won. They put a graphic up saying first <laughs> Cuban-born player, and I'm like, that's the second Cuban-born. Right. Okay. They said Suspedes yeah. was the first. So um, yeah, they just got that wrong. Which is like, no, he's he's a Canadian. He was born in Canada, and I confirmed. Yes, 
So he plays in Canada now. And also his, his, and he's also from Dominican descent. I mean, his dad's from the Dominican. So what he was born when his dad was with the Expos. So it's pretty, yeah. Yeah. A team that doesn't exist. So yeah, that is cool. uh, There was a team in Montreal. Mm hmm. Back in 52. Weird. Weird. Yeah. But, um, all right. And then uh, I guess today that it leads us to, we have the all-star game, which I was just telling you guys earlier, it doesn't do it for me. I'm not big on the all-star game. And I mean, it is always, it is just pitcher dominated now, which is fine. Um, you know, but, uh, it's just not, not my thing really. Uh, so I'm, I'm not really, I don't really care too much about watching it, but, uh, you know, over under in this game is only seven, which is kind of crazy to me because it's like, when you think about all stars, you think, oh, you're going to see all the hitting, but no, in baseball, it's, it's more dominant pitching, especially when these guys only have to pitch one inning. I mean, Shohei Otani, the American league future MVP of this season just struck out. And it's like, you know what, that people don't want to see Otani go to the all-star game and strike out. They want to see him hit a 460 foot home run and then pitch a complete game shutout. Yeah, the Dodgers are already 0 for 2, so we'll see how that goes. Um, they got the 2, 3, and 4 hitters. In the yeah, that's kind of funny. It's their whole team up there. and uh, Yeah, so that should be, uh, I guess it could be a fun game. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I think uh, this will probably be a game when an Angels relief pitcher, because they do have one in this game, comes in in like the seventh inning and gives up like a go-ahead two-run double, and that's probably how the National League will beat the American League. Who's the Angels pitcher? Estevez. So, which I'm surprised. I guess he's having a pretty, he must be having a good season, obviously, and having an all-star season. But I'm going to assume he replaced somebody. Yeah, I didn't think he was on the original roster. I don't think he was either. But, uh, yeah, so that's that for the all-star game. I guess we'll we'll probably, you know, maybe briefly talk about it next week, just to say what happened. But uh, what the all-star game means, though, is typically about, you know, we're we're getting close to crunch time. We're only a couple months away of the, a uh, couple months left of the MLB season. Uh, I guess, like, basically, like, two and a half months, because it does end at the end of September. And, uh, yeah, we'll just throw you guys some quick standings. I think the one thing to note here, well, we'll start with the American League East, is that every team still above 500, which is kind of crazy. And the Tampa Bay Rays still at the top with a 58-35 record, which is the best record in the um, American League. American League. Yeah, just the American League, not the actual league they anymore. They a really hot start. And, uh, yeah, there's another team that's passed them since. But Yeah, we'll get there. And I uh, saw kind of a funny thing, Andy, is when you look at the American League East down to the Central, it goes in order of wins. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, uh, there's yeah, a tie so, at the top. Uh, we'll but, talk uh, about the, the central here, but um, yeah, I just want to say they, not every team in the American league East can make the playoffs. You know, there yeah, are three wild it's, cards. It's crazy. They're not four wild cards. I mean, they can have, they can have as much as four though. Right. Yeah. So I mean, right I, now it looks like they'll have one team not in the wild card there or they'll have two, two out of the three wild card spots. Um, but yeah, long season and they, the big, and they have to play each other. The, the Orioles 54 and 35. Uh, yeah. The young talent taking over here. They showed signs of it last year and then they faded off, but uh, they're they're showing signs of it again this year. So, and I was telling this, they they have a very lethal back end of the bullpen. If this team has a lead going into the eighth inning, they they've got it. So, the one thing I love about uh, the MLB season is that All Star break. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the the trade deadline is when moves get made uh, and big moves. And a lot of times, you know, the teams will go out and they'll get that pitcher or that relief or that uh, starting pitcher relief pitcher that hitter that slugger that they need to make it be like oh shit this team really is a contender now so i'm looking forward to that because this has been a a pretty interesting season a very tight season where i can't pinpoint exactly a team that i think for sure can win it the, the problem is with the extra wild card there's not too many teams that know they're out of it yet. Exactly. So teams aren't sellers too much. Like I saw something today that get something from the Royals or from the well, A's. And to that point, I saw something today that said the White Sox say they're not sellers, and that's because with a thirty-eight and fifty-four record, they are only 
eight games out of first place. Yeah. So so the Cleveland Guardians are actually now back in first place. That's a franchise that just doesn't go away. Uh, the Twins are probably the most talented team, but they just can't figure it out. Um, and they've fallen below 500 here. Um, in the West, the Rangers, that's a surprise first place team. They spent a lot of money. It's paid off. Uh, but again, the Astros won't go away. The Astros are only just two games back now. Uh, the Angels died. They had a million injuries. Hopefully they can get healthy in the second half of the season to make a push. But uh, they're dropped down to fourth place now. So they're below 500, but you know they still have the talent. But we talked about it yesterday. If the Angels decide they don't think they're going to keep Otani and try to get a big deal for him, then I think the Angels will tank. In baseball, you don't really tank, but I think the Angels would do whatever that is if that's if they do end up trading Otani. Um, but that's we still got a few weeks to figure that out. Um, National League, this is a team that actually has now passed the Tampa Bay Rays, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they're just a, a really good franchise. They just keep bringing up good young players, good pitchers that come out of nowhere. Um, they'll have great pitchers that kind of fall off and get hurt, and they'll just have another one right behind them. Um, but, yeah, this is, they're having a really great season. Uh, Miami is 14 games above 500, and they have a losing run differential. So they, they've been getting it done with um, you know timely pitching. Uh, I don't know. This is this is a candidate to fall off, um, but they do also have the, the the batting leader right now, and I think people will be rooting for them to do well. Um, and the Mets are the big disappointment there, forty two and forty eight, <clears throat> yeah. eighteen and a half games back of first place. Uh, I just talked about being in the wrong division. You know, I mean, if they were in like the Central, they'd be like you know about like seven and a half games out or something like that. But uh, yeah, the Mets are a big disappointment, and it makes you wonder: Will they be sellers at the deadline? Will we see? Scherzer go somewhere, Verlander. I mean, could a guy like Lindor be on the move? Uh, I mean, it's definitely possible. So, uh, yeah. I guess we're moving on to the Central. That's been a, that's been a fun division this year. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds shocking the world uh, with a 50-41 and 41 record, which is good enough to be leading the division at the All-Star break with the Milwaukee Brewers just one game back at 49-42. and 42. And then you've got the Chicago Cubs in the middle, seven games back with a 42-47 and 47 record. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, who also had a very good start to the season, they were uh, in first place through about like the first 30 games or so, 40 games maybe even. And they are now eight and a half back with a 41 and 49 record. And then the biggest disappointment of this division, the preseason favorite to win this division because they have Goldschmidt and Arenado in the middle of their lineup. And they are uh, abysmal 38 and 52, 11 and a half games out of first. Uh, I mean, they take a two-game win streak going into the All-Star break, so maybe they can... Turn it into something. And if anybody wow. can, I always feel like it was the Cardinals that would sometimes go on like a crazy August to September run and they would storm back and be able to steal a shitty division and then they would somehow win the World Series. Don't think that's going to happen this year, but... There's a story that they may be looking to move Arenado if they can get something big back for him. So I don't blame him. Um, he's owed a lot of money. Center of the Reds. Um, although I think he knocked out or something. But yeah, I mean, the Reds, I don't think the Reds can afford it. That's, that's no, I'm issue. sure they couldn't. It but means he's probably, he'd go to the Dodgers. That's what it would mean. Yeah. But Dodgers you like getting those big third basements at the All-Star break. Manny Machado yeah, one year. It's a uh, position they, they could use. Didn't they get Scott um, Rowland one year in a trade or something? Uh, does that sound right? No. They got Casey Blake one year. That's okay. Wow. Well. <laughs> Forgot about that name. That's a throwback. But yeah, uh, speaking of the NOS, all is right with the world. The Dodgers are tied for first place after uh, being behind the Diamondbacks for a long stretch. Which of the season. we have to give respect to as a very big shock as well. Yeah, they're they're not going to fall apart. I don't think. No, they're um, a great they're, team. They're their a good pitcher started the All Star game. Uh, Corbin Carroll is going to get some MVP votes. He's definitely going to win the Rookie of the Year. Well, I can't, we shouldn't say definitely anymore because 
The Ellie De La Cruz on the Reds is only like plus yeah. 250 now. Ever since he's, because they're talking, it's his stolen bases too. I mean, he's already got 20. He stole home the other day. That's that's one of the exciting young players on the Cincinnati Reds. So, uh, and Corbin Carroll did get hurt. I mean, he came back, but he might be having, a, you never know, he could be having a nagging injury at some point. I mean, I personally think that uh, because De La Cruz is such a freak of nature that that also that uh wild card i mean not a wild card well wow. that rookie of the year uh trophy isn't i wouldn't say it's necessarily his just yet it's definitely a possibility that uh de la cruz can steal that trophy from him yeah and yeah the giants are hanging around and the padres are you know they haven't been so bad that they're out of it and that's good news for them because they still have so much talent they could make a run yeah it's um so they're 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 hanging in um, but yeah, the wild cards right now are the Orioles, Blue Jays, and Astros with the Yankees one game out. On uh, the National League, it's the Marlins, Diamondbacks, and Giants with the Phillies and Brewers half game back. So, uh, will be a good another good race, and that's why I'm saying all these teams are they're still in it. If you're the Mets, seven games out of the wild card spot, you're like we're still kind of in this. We could, we could make that up. So uh, it's, it's there's not that many teams that all end up being sellers. Um, really, you can say the Royals, the A's, Rockies, Nationals, and maybe Cardinals, but. Those teams don't have a lot of talent to, to give up. The talent they do have is, is mostly young, and they're not going to want to part with that. So, I mean, the A's have traded anyone who's worth anything every year. They just get rid of someone. So. Yeah, they're having a really bad year. Like, I don't know who's on the Rockies. Like, Chris Bryant, that was a huge mistake to give that guy a contract when you knew the team was going to suck, but no one, no one wants that. So. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are four legit, like, just really, really bad teams. I mean, when you look at the Rockies, the Nationals, the A's, the Royals— and I would put the, um, like maybe the Tigers in that category too. They don't impress me at all. Uh, yeah, it, it's just so bad. But um, yeah, is that uh, we got? Uh, I think one last thing to talk about here: college football. Yeah. So uh, this story actually, Andy knows better than I do. But uh, the Northwestern head coach was fired from some uh, acquisition acquisitions acquisitions. Ah, uh, it's belong. It's gone further than an accusation. It's yeah, it's, it's become it's become um, like it's been like pretty much confirmed that like this stuff was happening. Yeah, so I mean, I guess that the, there was a report, and that's what the initial decision. But I saw this yesterday morning that Pat Fitzgerald, the uh, longtime coach at Northwestern, a guy who's with the team in the the nineties, uh, assistant coach for a long time, um, that he was going to be suspended for two weeks without pay. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of a big deal. And then I saw it's two weeks now in the summer, which is like, oh, that's kind of meaningless. Um, so I read what the story was about. There were some accusations of hazing. Um, the the player who made the complaints. There was some um, a story basically that like he was recorded saying that he would um, embellish the story in order to get the coach fired. And so that was kind of the the slant of that story I read. And I was like, oh, so this is kind of nothing. Um, nothing's going to happen because that source is kind of tainted. Um, and then. At the end of the day, later in the day, I see he's been fired. I'm like, well, what's the story? So it turns out multiple people have came out and corroborated his um, claims about tasing, and it's gone. Ba- it's gone back since the guy's been a coach the entire time. Like they have players from 2005 saying, yeah, this is this was happening. And those players in 2005, mind you, now are 40 something year old men. I mean, it's not like this is a group of 20 year olds that are like. Hey, let's get together and get this guy fired. Because remember how much we hated Coach Fitzgerald a few years ago. Yeah. It's like, no, this is a group of men that are with probably full-on families, 42, 43 years old, that are well, claiming the same thing, things these guys in their mid twenties are claiming. This is Northwestern, so like they probably have a bunch of former football graduates that are like, 
you know, executives and lawyers and stuff. Like, it's a very, very good school. That's a good point, um, yeah. So, yeah, people that have power and influence. Um, but, yeah, some of the, the stuff that's come out is, is weird. There's something about a, a Shrek list that they would put people on. And had there's a lot of weird sexual shit in this hazing, which is I think is why, at the end of the day, the, the person in charge just made the move to just fire him. And I mean, Fitzgerald's come out saying, like, yeah, I'm going to sue because... We agreed on the suspension, and then you guys changed your minds. But um, it just, yeah, it just doesn't look good. Whether he he knew or not, which is like it's impossible that he didn't know. I think if you're the head coach, it's impossible that you wouldn't know. Even if you're not like, hey, here's my hazing rituals. I want you guys to to institute them. You had to know what was going on. Um, but yeah, like one one of the things I was reported on that they they did a hazing thing. They called the car wash and uh, and <laughs> prepare yourself, Sean. Uh, the oh, car boy. wash involved um, some of the upperclassmen. They, were, they would get naked, and they would stand close to each other, not necessarily contacting each other, but, like, leaving a little gap. And then they would rotate around in circles, and the freshman would have to walk through them, like, you know, the rollers of a car wash. Um, yeah, that's that's weird as hell. And I don't even wow. know what, <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you getting over on them? Like, uh, it's... it's uh, it, it's strange shit, and maybe that's not even the worst of it. I don't, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, he's gone. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think he's going to win his his lawsuit. Which he's upset about because he was always first in line in the car wash. <laughs> it's time for Coach to come yeah. through. But especially like in a post-Sandusky world that we live in, you cannot do this shit. I am surprised that this guy, this guy was a Big Ten coach when that shit happened. You would think you would be like, guys, all that weird shit we're doing, we have to stop it now. We have to stop it now. Like. <laughs> This is not happening. I know that's a very different case, and that, that would have mm-hmm. to do with children and not, you know, adult. And hazing is always in everything, but not to that degree. Yeah, and not. It's, I mean, once it gets sexual and it gets, you know, violent, I guess I think that's where it draws the line. I mean, you can, you know, do yeah. the other thing. Because with hazing, it's more like, hey, freshmen, carry my pads out yeah. to the field. Like, I mean, that's hey, blue. Why is there no ice in my lemonade? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that is hazing. But when it gets to the point where it just gets in that weird, you know cult stuff like illuminati type stuff that's when it just gets a little a little bizarre but yeah it is also a reminder that uh we're like six weeks yeah, away football's from, almost here from the first action there and uh, uh northwestern's kind of screwed that most of their staff were people who had longtime people uh, but and, i think they hired a defensive coordinator that was new to the program and remember yesterday when we were talking and i was telling you that oh is their coach that one light-skinned black guy with the glasses and you just looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. I realized today who I was thinking of because I literally Googled college football coaches because it was bothering me. Okay, I thought you Googled that. No. Okay. It was, uh, I was thinking of James Franklin, the coach of the yeah. Penn State and Nitty uh, Lions. And in, uh, Keegan-Michael Key does the impression of him. You've seen that? Uh-huh. Because oh, they, they look alike. And, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I knew he had a Penn distinct State. look. It's, 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 that's very funny. He's done it, like, multiple times. That is, that's, that is good. Um yeah, that's a guy who's always been like rumored to be on the move and everything. Yeah, he's oh, like to the NFL. No, like bigger. Uh, schools. Yeah, he's a good like coach. Penn State's a pretty high up there, but like, well, he can go higher. Yeah, you know, USC. Like, I was going to say, yeah, you Pac-12. Even if they might not be a better team, there it's still that's the Pac-12. But Pac-12 is worse than the Big Ten. That's why USC and UCLA are leaving, that's which true. is not this year. So that'll be next year. So don't worry about that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is when USC and UCLA join the big the Big Ten. Northwestern's really going to be down in the basement. I mean, they're, the, the reason Fitzgerald's been able to keep his job is because Northwestern historically is just horrible. Like, they go they go winless in conference, and he's actually had some decent years. 
Um, they put some good players in the NFL, like uh, my team's uh, left tackle, Rashawn Slater. Um, historically, Northwestern just sucks, but um, it's not worth it. Like, I don't want to say it's ever worth it, but he is not like taking the Rose Bowl or anything. So, yeah. All righty. Well, I think that'll wrap us up for episode 332 of the Tony Steak Podcast. I'm Sean, and joined with me, we had Off Road Andy. Thank you. Goodbye. And Tony Katz. Yes, thank you for listening. We'll see you later.